It's the big leagues. Big leagues, bigly. Um, You know, Grant Morrison fans, I think, are so used to being kind of like an outcast of outcasts. They're like the pariahs pariah. Yeah. When you meet them, they're so fucking nice. Everybody, welcome to Batman in Quarantine, episode twenty. This podcast can almost get its drank on. We're yeah. doing it, cruising along. Although we were just uh, yesterday, we recorded episode one hundred and eighty-five of the Perfectly Acceptable podcast, a podcast all of us have been on and run through the store. And dang, we've been podcasting, my friends. We've been doing this for a <laughs> long time but this is batman in quarantine episode 20 it is an issue by issue reread of grant morrison's comic book batman run that we love but none of us have read in a very long time so we're just a bunch of buddies who are trying to skate through this thing together and if you are someone who's never read the run or has read it and you just want a little company as you're rereading it that's what we're here for rest your head on my shoulder as always I'm Jeff. I'm Justin, and even though this is a, a primarily an audio podcast, I want to let you know in the video stream, I am finally in my Scorpiona helmet and corset set I've had since 2010 when I figured out about her in this run. So I've, I've had that in my closet waiting to break it out, except for at one Comic-Con. Um, but it was a little cold, so I'm finally in my Scorpiona costume for you boys. Yeah, what the listeners don't know is that there was a long conversation at the beginning of this, and it was sort of me just trying to choke down my deep attraction for you as Scorpiona. Mm-hmm. It, it is pretty amazing. Oh, and I'm I'm Roman, and it is pretty amazing <laughs> how the uh, how you actually got her helmet like her helmet in the comic where where it's got the. I don't know what you call it, the pinchers, whatever, the legs open up around the helmet. It's got to be a modded out Power Rangers helmet, right? Yeah, like it's about to strike. It's, it's modded out several helmets, and it's very heavy, but, you know, there's a, price, there's a price to pay. We all have our rocks to push, you know, and there's a price to pay for sexiness. Yeah, I, um, I wish I still had the Catwoman costume from the second Tim Burton Batman movie that I Ooh. wore when I was like five or six years old all over town for a solid year. I was just that kid in a Catwoman costume. And... <laughs> Were you doing like back handsprings through uh, like department stores like she did? I don't think so. I lacked <laughs> okay. the coordination, but it, you mentioned corset and the costume did have like a corset that you would tie around your waist. Oh, yeah. And um, I didn't know what it was, but man, I loved it. I was it. There are many pictures of it and I wish I still fit in it. You got to get back. You got to get an adult-sized one, and you can like pick up vigilante justice and start slashing cops' faces in alleyways. Like isn't isn't like that she did in that movie? Life is. It's just sort of a, a gradual attempt to return to the womb. At least for adolescent yeah, males yeah. such as ourselves. Yep, for sure. For sure. But that's not why we're here. What we're here to do is to talk about Batman six seventy eight. This is Batman six seventy eight on page four ninety nine. On this sweet table of contents here. Oh, Oh. nice. Yeah, see, I've got the the paperbacks and there's no contents. Mm. So I have to 
So oh, I have to yeah. refer to Cody Walker's book to figure out which issue I'm reading. Oh, <laughs> I'm excited to talk to you about Cody Walker's book because Cody Walker has got some uh, he's got some certainty <laughs> and some full of itness that I yeah. don't super respond to, and I hope that people don't feel like we're those people. But hey. Let's talk about this. This issue, you can sum up the, the broad strokes of it very easily because this is just Batman has gotten fugged up by the black glove in his cave after the last issue. And it is just a sort of metaphorical journey through the underworld for a hungover, drugged up, amnesiac, not amnesiac, yeah, amnesia, Bat Bruce Wayne wandering through the homeless streets of Gotham City with Honor Jackson, who ultimately helps him find enough garbage to make a giant yellow, purple, and red Batman costume, the Batman of Zur and R. Wow. I'm really excited to talk to you guys about this issue because it's so, a trip. such a trip. It is such yeah. a trip. The, probably the only time we've got to have a batman story with batman on meth and heroin <laughs> and, and heroin yeah yeah do you think that that's because like he specifically injected him morrison chose hurt to do that because rather than some you know like made up chemical compound because they're trying to also make hurt seem pretty seedy or make thomas wayne slash hurt seem seedy like it's you know because it said that he was had problems with street drugs and now he's injecting it. Do you think that there's a reason for that? Like, why did Grant Morrison write crystal meth and heroin? Is that because... Weapons were... grade crystal... Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that it's, it's like, way... Just like you said, seedier. Like, it's way yeah. grosser and scabbier and dark back alleys for it to be crystal meth and heroin than it to be Chemical X or something. Yeah, but he's, like, Dr. Chemical X. So I was always thought that that was an interesting choice that he, like... You know, he's mysterious isolation chamber army doctor guy. Um, so I was like, why didn't they just, like, why did they specifically choose those two street drugs? I think they're just, like, colloquially the nastiest things yeah. that you can have. And I, I, and I love it for that. I love that it's yeah. like, ew, you put meth and heroin in Batman? He's not supposed to have that in him. Right. And yeah. I guess it soils, like, Bruce Wayne if he was found. Yeah, oh, that's true. Heroin. Yeah, that makes sense in a yeah. weird way. Plus, if it was some kind of like <clears throat> um, uh, uh, drug X or something, then it would be too easy for Batman to be going, "Oh, well, here I've got my bat antidote number seventy-five mm. that counteracts that." Yeah, yeah. Bruce criminally has never gotten a super good antidote for meth or heroin. So. <laughs> yeah. It's just because he likes to write it out when he's there. <laughs> for sure, just go on a walk with your imaginary friend. That's, yeah, that's the best way out of any bad trip. I'm going to cut it out. <laughs> first page of this issue is just a giant four panels all showing a different, very silver agey moment. One, he's got the bat radia turned on. The other, they're fighting this big rainbow villain. The third has the Batman dies at dawn issue that Justin has mentioned. And it shows that robot outfit. Um, and then we got like a, you know, Katie Kane dinosaur Island thing. I found the re you know, the, all of those are a direct reference to a specific issue. Uh, and I forget which ones they were. I had them pulled up. But uh, even like the rainbow monster thing. But, I, you know, I love this sort of... And it's narrated by a journal entry that on the next page we realize is Tim reading. In the previous issue, Bruce mentions that one of the black case books has gone missing. And what we see here is that Tim is sequestered in the woods reading it and eating some Cheeto puffs. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, I tried to get 
every single silver slash golden age issue that was in the black case book for my personal collection. So I'd have every issue referenced in this, but those are, some of them are pretty, ex I think I got yeah, I one. <laughs> They're like, you know, pretty old. and pretty But you have the Robin Dies at Dawn one, right? No, no. Okay. I, that's the one I really wanted. I, I have one. I forget which one I had. I made a list, but yeah, I really want the Robin Dies, Dies at Dawn one, but it, that was pretty spendy back in the day. I bet. Cause uh, it's probably the first appearance of Zurin R. For sure. Yeah, okay. Uh, but if I just get some cheese puffs, then maybe that will count. Yeah, it's almost yeah. the same thing. We're all just trying to be Tim Drake. Yeah. I really like this scene of him just sort of sitting by the motorcycle reading this because it has, it's Bruce's narration sort of talking about how much he needs to understand the Joker, not wants to understand the Joker, but needs to, like compulsively needs to, and which is why he has done this uh, isolation experiment so many years ago. But it's really capped off by him talking about how horrible things have been. Bruce and says, if it wasn't for Robin's humor and forthrightness, I'd be dot, dot, dot. And I like, I like when the humanity of Bruce is shown, especially to these young boys that he's adopted who look up to him and he can be sort of like a firm father figure for. I like getting the sort of warmth of, uh, you know, maybe Bruce can't tell Tim that directly, but Tim gets to read it in one of these journals. No, I really liked that. I liked that, like, Bruce tears, even in this time frame and in this journal, like, he's admitting a weakness that he has. Like, man, I would have lost my shit if I didn't have Robin. And I don't think Bruce nowadays, slash in this, what's going on now, like, the super badass Optimum Bruce guy who we see in this run, and hence, since, since that run would be the type to be like, man, if it weren't for you guys, I would have lost my shit. Like, he, right. He doesn't really, weakness is not really part of his mental vocabulary. So uh, it's cool to see him admit it. It humanizes him. Yeah. It's almost cool. Or sorry, it's also cool to have, you know, then another three page silent fight scene of Tim Drake being awesome on a motorcycle and that creepy ass mime and cowboy helmet dude, cowboy metal tin can on his helmet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, guy. whatever that guy is. So we know that the Black Glove has broken up to take down all of Bruce's friends, Batman's friends, and two of them are here to get Tim. And it looks like Tim escapes. I love, I love the respect that Grant Morrison shows Tim Drake. We get, some, we get a handful of good Tim moments in this run. It's almost kind of the last hurrah of big Tim Drake moments we get in Batman runs because after this, he's kind of gone. Right, he's relegated yeah. to being in different books. And yeah. New 52, I, in my opinion, kind of butchered him. Like, they changed his origin and made him, like, a genius gymnast, like, super privileged kid in an Ivy League school who figured it out. Like, Do you remember his costume? Like, it was just, like, in that Teen Titans number one from oh, New yeah. 52, like, the big bird arms. And it yeah. was... There's some Jim Lee-ass 90s stuff right there. For sure. This is him at his peak cool, uh, being just as good as a detective as Batman. And just being the guy that's looking out for him. And speaking of CD, uh, on this next page, I wanted to ask you, Jeff, do you think that the color palette is like similar to old Spawn stuff, like the yellows and the grays oh. and like the blues and browns? Yeah, I actually didn't think about that at all, but you're right. It is like exceptionally dirty. Like it is, yeah. it feels like, yeah, like the smoggy yellow sky and the air all around it is a thing that, hasn't actually been present in this run yet so you're right there's a it's a weird choice of coloring here but i think it it seems uh well done because we're no longer bruce or batman since he doesn't remember who he is so it's almost just like homeless person awash in a gross filthy city right and it just like tony daniel 
obviously takes from McFarlane quite a bit. And this like kind of shines the, like it sings with that. So in this, you know, now that we're, we're back with Bruce, who what we learn is he doesn't remember anything. He's been injected with all these drugs that we only see little glimpses of in red and white and black flashbacks. Um, he's remembering tiny clips, but like mostly just that Dr. Hurt in his bat cave injected him with all these drugs, but he doesn't really know what that means because uh, he doesn't really remember what this cave is or what Batman is or anything like that. But Honor Jackson finds him, who is a guy on the street that we saw a handful of episode or issues ago um, where actually it was just two issues ago. It's part one of RIP, but it's the one, it's the guy that Batman saves from another car, almost hitting him. And then he gives him a couple hundred bucks and the guy's like, you've got a nice face. And in this issue, Honor Jackson is basically taking homeless drug addict Bruce across Gotham on an odyssey and having these kind of weird conversations the whole time. What is what is your read on all of that? What do you think Honor Jackson is? Because then we get at the end, he gets to where he's going, and he's like, Honor Jackson told me to come here. And they're like, Honor Jackson's been dead for years. Or, or dead for a couple of days is what they hear. But yeah. it's that classic, like, he's been dead for – who did you see? Yeah. Um, horror twist. What is your read on that? Did he exist? Did he not exist? That That's like a little bit of that magical realism that is in this run that I don't feel like ever gets – super resolved i yeah i don't know what to think about honor jackson because also like he gets a hundred bucks and buys drugs with it and dies is that the hundred bucks that batman gave him yeah that was my read yeah yeah and then like because batman they almost accidentally hit him with the batmobile and batman says to alf it's i forget who's in the car with him alfred or or it was robin 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 was in the car okay so yeah he says to robin there's you know there's cash in the glove box just give him some money <laughs> yeah i i like why write that in if he's imaginary in the first place and so is this well, like, well he wasn't imaginary in the first place because he was real and then he took the money and bought drugs and overdosed and died and so bruce is now walking around talking to pen- potentially his ghost potentially and i think i think is it's it is an intuition than, i think i think it's part of his his mental psychosis yeah for sure, but, for but sure. Met, but metaphorically, honor is his guide into this. Maybe the entrance to the underworld. The psychopomp, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The psychopomp, kind of Virgil and and you know the Inferno. Hermes, kind of for sure. Yeah. Um, let's talk for a second. So Cody Walker. I want to know even, what Cody thinks. <laughs> even so, like Cody is the one who says that like Batman almost hit Honor Jackson and then gave him money. But that is not my read of what happened. If you look at it, a different car almost hits him, and then he, the Batmobile, gets hit by that other car to protect Honor Jackson. So, Cody Walker, right off the oh, bat, right. your thesis is on thin ice. Um, you're, you're, you're right. I remember that panel because, yeah, Batman barely slides the Batmobile in there in time to save him. And yeah. I like that because he still had time to be a hero. Like, he's chasing this crazy villain, and he's like, oh, wait, let me save this guy. Like, you know, that's a, a sign of, I think that's an important sign of Batman's character. Yeah. So Cody Walker of Anatomy of Zer and R, a, a book that both Roman and I are, are going through right now because we had another one at the store. So, so, honor, so for him, his read on this issue is very rooted as it being a sort of parallel to the Clown at Midnight story, the all text issue about the Joker who goes through a sort of reincarnation 
like uh, Kafka's Metamorphosis. I like and, that. And yeah, so in this one, we have Honor Jackson is kind of created as a, you know, a psychopomp. He is this, this, the thing that is going to bridge Bruce from drug addled, confused person into being Batman of Zero and R. And so Cody breaks down the name of Honor Jackson. And he's like, well, Jackson most regard the Joker's real name to be Jack. And if Bruce Wayne is going through a similar cycle of mental repair that the Joker went through, then one could surmise that his personality is the son of this mental preparation, Jack son. Also, since Bruce Wayne is building a personality that won't be based upon murder, it stands to reason that he would base it upon honor. So honor Jackson. And I'm like, yeah, that's you can definitely do that. I and I think good art allows you to be able to project meaning upon it. And I don't think that people should ever shy away from uh, putting their own meaning on something. Uh, you can be an expert English major, or you can be a you know tenth grader. I think that everyone has the right, and that's the fun thing about art is to kind of create what you think somebody is saying and what it means. But he portrays it. He portrays it a little bit more as fact here. I, I guess that's why where I always come short is like, well, here's what I think. What do you think? Um, and I think that's a little bit of a stretch because I don't necessarily consider the Joker's name to be Jack, unless except for like the Tim Burton movies, Jack Napier, and like Curse of the White Knight. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that that's the most sound logical jumps. You know, like we've never had anything alluded to honor at all in this run as a theme or a thing that Bruce might aspire to, you know, Jack Joker as Jack Napier hasn't been really alluded to at all. So why would we as a reader be led to that logical conclusion? That seems like something that could only emerge out of Mr. Cody's mind. Yeah. And so, you know, who knows, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of with you, but uh, either way, the character of honor Jackson, you know, it, I, I do think he's kind of on to the fact that, Grant probably is kind of trying to create a parallel thing of the Joker sure. and Batman in, in that he is. And that's very insightful. So, yeah, and the, um, the, I agree with what he says about transformation and sure, the cockroach Kafka, but um, I have a totally different read than Cody does. And, and, it, and I was imagining after I read Cody's write-up of that, because um, he says in the back with the Grant Morris interview, he said, you know, Grant Morris, he was kind enough to like read my manuscript for this book, which was originally, um, I think, some articles. Um, and, and apparently Morrison didn't have any problem with any of his interpretations because I'm sure Morrison, like Jeff, like, like Jeff was like, hey, whatever you interpret in there, you see in my art, cool, go with it. So I kind of imagine Morrison be like, well, cool. That's not what I did at all, but that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my... Um, my, do you want me to do my read on Honor Jackson now? Yeah, give it to me. Yeah, 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 give it. yeah, I need I need context. I need Roman's historical. Well, you know, when I was reading this, I kept on noticing that in the art, he's got one lens missing out of his glasses. Mm -hmm. okay. So basically, symbolically, he's one-eyed. And I was like, you know, that's got to mean something. One-eyed Jack? Uh, Twin Peaks? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Sure. Honor. Sure. But Honor. right away. But, time. But, but right away, his first dialogue in this issue when he shows up is... Uh, He's muttering to himself, maybe that's how it's how it is on the planet of the little bat berries. And it's like, oh, okay, well, there's no way a living human on Earth would know about that. So right away, I was like, okay, this is maybe not a real person. And the and the one-eyed thing, I started looking up some things last night after our our talk, and um, 
And I think he he's kind of, at least symbolically, tied to the original version of the Cyclops. And they show up in the Odyssey, but before that they're in um, uh, Theogony, work in, Works and Days by Hesiod, um, ancient Greek. And in that, they create the thunderbolt that then they give to Zeus, which is his like main weapon, his main creative force. Wow, buddy, you're on. Yeah. you're on to some and, stuff. Yeah, here. and and this Honor Jackson gives the bat radio to Bruce, at least in right. Bruce's mind, he does. The inspiration of the gods. As yeah, well. yeah. So I, that's what that's my interpretation. And he keeps talking about an Odyssey. Yeah, yeah. He mentions and the Odyssey. This, this is Bruce is very Odysseus. He's the clever, tricky guy who's coming up with plans. All that you know. They say that Odysseus can't help but plan and lie. Like yeah, right, he could, yeah. he could tell the truth and get out of it, and he'd still choose to lie because he's just obsessed with that machinations and you know telling a different story and always being on top. And so this is very much the Odyssey. That's a great read, Roman. Roman, that was electric. I loved that. And, <laughs> um, and the bat, yeah, the bat radio. You know, he he gets that, and ultimately that takes him to this. Yeah, the garbage where he could either get drugs, but he chooses not to get drugs. And he's at crime alley. Um, but he puts on this, he starts sewing and he pricks his finger. <laughs> he sews this bat costume, which I just love. That's like Grant Morrison kind of like having fun at silver age stuff. Like, right. But uh, ultimately the final page reveal of this is him saying the Batman of Zuran R with uh, Batmite up behind him. All slightly more jovially drawn. He says, "Uh Oh, uh, he does not have, the little creepy green-eyed thing crawling on his back, which Justin on a, on an episode, I, 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 oh, think, does he? He, I think yeah, he, he does because you see it's it's like oh, tendrils. you totally he totally does he totally does. You just don't see its head. Yeah, no, you're totally right. So he he says Zuran R because the the phrase needed to be said to him, mm-hmm. and Jezebel Jet said that to him. And is that phrase what causes him to go into this psychosis state? But is is Zurinar a good thing or a bad thing? I my read is it is that it is designed to be a bad thing, the thing that breaks Batman. It's the trigger word that they've planted throughout his life in his mind in the isolation experiment. Mm-hmm. But Bruce being so paranoid compensated for that and created a backup personality, the Batman of Zurinar, the totally irrational thing that cannot be predicted. Um, and that is what Batmite also is. Like, that's his, like, totally irrational explanation for all the weird shit that happened. I think the thing on his back, this is my interpretation, is that thing that he exercised, all that darkness that he got out of mm. the, the Thogel issue. Um, that's, like, a, a visual metaphor for the darkness that Bruce expelled from him. So I think it's used as a code, but they didn't expect Batman to create this, like, okay, I'm going to let myself go insane, because that's the one thing they would not expect. Right. And so that's that is that's brilliant, Justin. That's a that, that, and that was sort of my my curiosity of you know did they want him to make you know become Zuranar? But you're right, and I think that that's such a through line of this thing is like Batman's over preparation. No one could prepare for how prepared he is. We talked about it in an earlier episode. We were tracking down some other people's uh, interpretation for what that little skull thing was, and some people were thinking, and I also like this, which is um, since you know Batmite is a manifestation of imagination or the subconscious like it is this thing there because of what dr hurt did 
he got into Batman's brain and into his subconscious. He planted something in there. Uh, so there's this like, there's an impurity within Batmite, which is Dr. Hurt's effect on Batman's subconscious and imagination. So, you know, there's this Batmite that's around him, uh, but there's always like a little goopy, gross thing. The shadow. The, the, the shadow of Dr. Hurt, like the glove around it, the, the effect that it has had. And, um, but I think I like both of those reads a lot. I think yeah. they both make a lot of sense, and I don't think that there's one right answer. I do have a question. Yeah. And Roman, you might know, um, this little pot of gold at the end of the heroin rainbow, the bat radiar, <laughs> is that the bat radio? Is that like a reference to like an Adam West era, like they called them on the bat radio? Or is this an old, goofy Batman thing? Because it seems really familiar, but I don't think I have a personal historical experience with it but it feels like it was an old thing, even though I have no, I found it. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I meant to look it up. Jeff, you have the bat radio. Yeah. I've got the bat radio. <laughs> uh, it was a device designed by the Batman of Zurin R a scientist named Tiano who considered it to be the most valuable object in his utility belt. The purpose of it was to issue electronic molecules that caused controlled disturbances in the atmosphere of Zurin R thus jamming atmospheric molecules. Um, it is from issue 113, which is probably that original Robin Dies at Dawn one. Yeah, I think so. Um, got to that issue. Somehow. The Batman of Planet X. But the that? image that is on the DC wiki there is uh, the original version of what the first panel of this issue is, which is a blue glove holding a sort of Kirby-esque looking device. So I certainly didn't know that, but I did just look that up. Yeah, so it, it seems like the thing that in the issue of Zur and R kind of was the scapegoat, you know, the uh, the ex, Deus Ex Machina of that one, and it kind of becomes the Deus Ex Machina of this one as well. Okay, so Batman one thirteen is the Superman of Planet Planet. Oh, okay. Um, and that is the first time I think we see Planet X. Okay. Um, yeah. And then Robin dies at dawn is one fifty six where okay. they return there. Oh, okay, so they did more than one issue there. Yeah. Cool. Well, well, we it. haven't. What we haven't touched yet is that. Um, so after Tim escapes, he reaches out to Dick, and he's like, "Hey, I'm worried about the old man. We got to meet up. Um, let's meet at like you know checkpoint five at seven. And he's like, "Okay, I guess I'll do that." And um, Dick, he's beating up some black glove baddies, but then Scorpiana and the you know, <laughs> the, we got to get the trench coat guy with the metal head. I gotta. We gotta <laughs> yeah. figure out that guy's name. Um, but he. Uh, he shows up and they ultimately it looks like they kidnap Dick because then there's a shot of what looks like Dick losing his mind in the same asylum. Le Bossu has taken his mask from him and he says a souvenir of the criminal mind. So it looks like they've imprisoned Dick. And, and wrote a whole history for who he would be. Yeah. Yes. Where is Yeah. That? It's interesting that they, they panels up. Um, yeah. And committed him yeah. as um, a foe of uh, the musketeer. The, the, Piro. Oh, okay. Who, yeah, that's what that who means. I thought was the mime guy. I thought that was the mime guy's identity. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's... Which, which, yeah, they just switched their identities. Because... But it makes sense because they know Piro Lunier is a bad guy. So why not just say it's this yeah. other young, fit, hot boy? Yeah. yeah. And so he can be running around on the streets, and we have Dick Grayson as him in Arkham. And then we do also get um, Dr. Hurt breaking into the case and taking thomas wayne's original costume that we've seen a couple times in this run and yet he says a perfect fit going along with that 
um, you know, trying to get the reader to feel like this guy could be actually Thomas Wayne in the same way that, you know, Batman can't know if he's actually Thomas Wayne. Yeah, he even refers to making Alfred, maybe he'll be my butler, which, yeah, Alfred was the Wayne's butler when Bruce was born. Talk about a flex, right? What a power play. It's pretty dirty. I'm going to, like, get nasty street drugs and inject you in it, and then I'm going yeah. to pretend to be your dad and hang out and, like, beat up all your friends. <laughs> Not a very good doctor. I would not go to his his general yeah. practice, Doctor Hertz. Yeah, beat up and commit. Well, like, lock your your his son's first son, quote unquote, in the <laughs> insane asylum. <laughs> Jeez. Hey, Doc, I kind of have a weird kind of cough. You know, do you have any? <laughs> let me get in your subconscious yeah, yeah. and fuck up your family about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let me jump in there. Hang on. Is there any kind of like dad clothing I can wear? <laughs> the page before he gets the bat radius, where it is like Bruce in the trench or in the coat like the collar up and his hands and his armpits i have been deeply hung over i've had those days where you're like oh, you yeah. have to go to work and you feel like you're just gonna die and this issue i i felt like even at the beginning of it through to that particular uh representation of it they do a good job of making you feel deeply hung over like broken, yeah <laughs> yeah broken like your body is dying like your spirit is dead and all you can do is maybe throw up if you can walk at all and just these moments of like well just one step forward like honor of you know just like we just got to get one more step and that's all you can do is take off these tiny bite-sized chunks of existence <laughs> yeah the panel where bruce is like up against the wall throwing up when i saw that i was like oh jeff has probably seen me like that before yeah and i've been there you've seen uh, me like that <laughs> I had noticed when I at first that the in honors shopping cart, there's the the purple cloak, there's the pieces of the Zurinar Batman's costume in there, and the Bat Radia is wrapped in a red and black checkerboarded kerchief. Yep. Yes, which is again the the color metaphor of the story. Yeah, and it's cool too that it just below the at the bottom of that panel after he hands it to Bruce, there's a a, a reddish glow coming right. from below the panel where bruce is holding it <laughs> kind of like what we were talking about yesterday with what is that original oh the 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 mysterious glow from the trunk of the car in repo man repo man which, which was referenced fiction, in pulp yeah. fiction but actually yeah. i got it wrong because actually the original one of that is from a mike hammer movie of the, like the 50s or 60s it was either kiss me deadly or another one i can't remember one of the famous ones did we get off the the, the zoom last night and you just like fact checked a bunch of no i, re- well, I remembered of... that one about the mike hammer but then i started looking up things about one-eyed characters and literature because i was like there's got to be something about honors one eye because at first i was thinking odin because he would disguise himself as a beggar and go around and sure. was one-eyed horace does that kind of shit too and he's yeah Jack. yeah i mean it kind of references all those guys yeah I feel a lot better having talked to you guys um, just like with the read on honor Jackson and Roman, I think your take on the odyssey is, is brilliant for it. And then just the, the idea of him kind of you know, being a, a figment, like you guys have both said, you know, cause it, a, after talking to you, I think that, that does make a lot more sense that he would just be walking around alone. But with what Justin was saying about really like, you know, the Zurin are, I was doing, looking at that on two, like a one dimensional of a thing, like either, either the whole Zurinar word and the breaking of his consciousness and therefore the Batman of Zurinar is their plan or it was Bruce's plan and he created the word Zurinar. Um, but again, at the limit of my thinking is that it is not one or the other. It is both. They created the word, but he created a bat persona from within that broken space where he would be able to 
to fight outwards. So um, I, I really like, you know, picturing Bruce just hung over walking around town in this coat, but ultimately getting to a spot uh, where he would be able to make the Batman of Zernar. And he, his consciousness was able to create figments to get him there. And yeah. that is sort of what I love so much about this run is it is the story of Batman's superpower being above all else preparedness. Yeah. yeah. I, I love how it, it, that image of him like walking around Gotham and he's muttering to himself. So of course, you know, everyone's, everyone is, is ignoring him. Well, they're, yeah, but they're all ignoring him. But, well, it could be Bruce Wayne. He's just some, you know, homeless person. Yeah. Um, and so I love that even within all this, there's an element of, he subconsciously disguised himself by going into this horrible, like homeless existence. It's amazing. I really love like, you know, Batman is kind of this engine of creating order. Like he's always trying to, you know, fight crime, this amorphous thing. And he's always, he's like, you know, um, ordered good. He's obsessed with order. And then like now Batman is Zerenrar is the opposite. Like it's chaotic. Good. He's, had to create a space that allows for chaos. And that's when you're truly like a, a non-fragile being, like you're able to take the chaos and integrate it. And I think that talk, says a lot about trauma in general, being able to work with the chaos that's in yourself. It says a lot about like the human shadow and the collective unconscious. Like Batman has spent his whole life trying to kind of defeat craziness, you know, and what drives men mad and makes them super criminals. And now he's given himself a space and surrendered to it because that's the only thing that could save him is the one thing that he's suppressed his whole life because they know everything about it you know? and that's you know like the heart of anxiety and everything right. of like if as long as you're trying to reject something like chaos it'll always be cropping up as this thing that you're afraid of but once you're enabled to you're enabled to take it in or deal with it and you're no longer fighting it that's when you can actually use it i love batman zurinar's design i had an action figure of that character um that i gave it to my friend cool. sean uh it that i got from the comic shop before i started working there and yeah i just um i love his big know? thighs he's and his like kind of weirdly big armpit to waist yeah. muscle there he's just like yeah. a little bit bigger <laughs> around than he should be but yeah, I, you know, that's, I can't wait to see what he does in this cool new costume tomorrow. Yeah, that's a great costume. And the bat, and the bat insignia is, it's a little more erratic and unbalanced than the normal bat insignia, I like that. Or the, the, the sigils, I should say, to use Morrison's word. Yeah. He's like Bat Creeper. I don't know, he's like, kind of like oh, the yeah, Joker, yeah, yeah. but, you know, Bat Freakazoid, he's awesome. <laughs> and that, again, speaks to that sort of the metamorphosis thing um, and the Joker comparison, right? Like, right. he even going through all of this, uh, he is subconsciously building a better Batman, but it definitely looks more like that world of chaos that the Joker resides in. But, well, guys, I think we've done some good work here today. I think we've oh, uh, yeah. turned what? some stones over. What, what do you guys think is going to happen? Because I don't remember, what do you think is going to happen to... Uh... To Tim, because the last time we see him, he's on a rooftop, but we know he's being pursued by the uh, the cowboy in the, the metal, the lead helmet with the, with the I, six guns. Buckethead. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, Buckethead. I sure don't remember, and I haven't read the next issue yet. But I feel like Tim gets tickled. Does he? I, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like he does work in this story. I feel like this whole story does does right by Tim, but that's maybe just my memory of it. That, that's what I'm wondering. Is he going to rescue Alfred and, and Dick? I hope so. so like, I hope so. 
I'm excited to read that three issue Battle for the Cowl miniseries again because I have not read that since it came out. And I know that it's probably like Resurrection of Ra's al Ghul and it's probably not great, but I'm really excited. I don't really remember what happens in the post RIP pre Batman and Robin era. The art all through it is really good in those three issues. It's Tony Daniels and writing and drawing. And there's this kick that Nightwing does that's just amazing. His butt, his legs. He's, there's this famous Nightwing kick. Um, it could have been guys, Chuck Dixon. Yeah. <laughs> you guys will know it when you see it. You'll know the kick. Okay. Well, we're still a ways out from that. But, um, yeah, I, I appreciate you guys. This has been episode 20 of Batman in Quarantine. Django created an email for us. If anyone has any questions, oh, oh yeah. any feedback, any of their own interpretation of things, uh, you can send an email to batmanincquarantine at gmail.com, and we will read it on the air. Or if you don't want to, we don't have to. If you just want to give us some feedback, that is great. We would love that. We have been live for two weeks now, my friends. This, this wow. podcast is up and going. Damn. So we'll just have to hope we don't fall behind at any point. But um, yeah, yeah. if we we do, we'll have to, I don't know, do some meth. Oh, bud, (laughs) that just ends up with losing your memory and being on the streets as far as I can tell. Yeah, and we'll think we're recording something and we're just talking into tin cans. (laughs) Yeah. Weapons grade meth, Roman. Weapons grade (laughs) meth. I don't do any normal meth. It has to be weapons grade. It's amateur stuff. (laughs) Um, All right, boys. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining me for Batman in Quarantine issue 20. Let's let this thing start drinking next time, if you know what I mean. 21. And uh, we'll see you all tomorrow. Justin of Zurin Rar signing off. Thank you.